You are listening to the Adoption and Fertility Finance Show, where we prepare you financially for adoption or fertility. Navigating the waters financially for adoption and fertility can be intimidating. And your host, Laura Coleman, knows that firsthand after spending $35,000 for IVF and adopting three children. She's made it her mission to help other couples realize their dream by living their financial life with intention. Today's podcast episode is being sponsored by the Adoption and Fertility Grant Success Course. Learn step-by-step instructions on how to create a successful adoption or fertility grant. You can find more information at familymoneycoaching.org and click on shop. Today's podcast episode, we welcome Michelle Waymeyer. She is a financial advisor and financial coach with Young and Scrappy. And one of the reasons why I brought Michelle on today's show is to talk about investments. And she has a really amazing course, Unlocking the Power of Investing. And I was really impressed with it. I've been working in the financial industry almost 20 years now, and she has laid everything out in very simple, easy terms. And so when I saw it, I knew that I wanted to talk to her about investments and particularly some of the questions around should you invest while you're saving money for adoption? Um, Should you borrow money from your retirement accounts to pay for adoption? So, you know, those are some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, um, as well as some other things too. So stay tuned um, as I talk with Michelle. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you, Laura, for having me. I am super, super pumped to be here and um, humbled by the kind words you have about my course. I super appreciate that. No problem. I love it. Like, you know, as as I, you sent me the the course outline, and I'm like looking at everything, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like really amazing. Like saving versus investing, and the power of compound interest. I learned about the power of compound interest. I think I was like 22 years old. And when I heard about compound interest and the rule of 72, it was like this light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so, you know, you start off with that um, and, you know, talking about like, are you ready to invest? Um, So let's talk a little bit about why you created this course. Yeah. So I think it's important to know a little bit about my background. I actually do not have an undergraduate degree in in business or investing of any kind. And in fact, one of the stories that I commonly share with folks is that my first job out of college, I took a job teaching theater in an inner city charter school. Uh, I was not good at it. It was not my calling, it turns out. And so I actually ended up leaving after a year. When I did, I took my my 401k and I cashed it out and I took the money and I went to Europe. And it's funny, a little bit later on, you know, having moved a few times after that, I was going through a box of old papers and I found an entire stack of old 401k statements. I had just never managed to open a single one of them. That was back in 2012. And so when I think about what the market has done since 2012, at that point, it didn't even occur to me that my money had room to grow. I just simply thought, oh, look, this money that I've built up, now I can take it and do something fun. So I think coming from that perspective, it's really important to realize that investing for a lot of people is like a big black box. It's super scary. We don't know how it works. And so we sort of avoid it and ignore it. 
And so for me, this course is hopefully a way of uh, targeting some of those mindsets, um, easing people into the process, and kind of treating it like a series of decisions that can be made uh, in a pretty logical way, um, that there's a process behind it rather than just, you know, a big overwhelming mess of decisions, you know, try and break it down into easy steps so that even if you're at that place where you want to make better financial decisions and you just have no idea to, you know, where to begin, or if you've been doing it a little bit and you're ready to learn some more formal vernacular for the stuff that you've been doing, I'm hoping that um, folks will find the course useful. Awesome. I know I did. And, and I have financial background. <laughs> so in regards to, you know, when someone's going through adoption and fertility, you know, for myself, we spent $35,000 with um, IVF. And that's a, quite a bit of chunk of change. And, you know, understanding the, the power of compound interest, should a person put off investing while they're saving for adoption or should they go ahead and keep investing during that time period? Yeah, that's a great question. I have actually heard this logic not just applied to stuff like IVF and adoption. I've also heard it apply to student loans. I've heard it apply to saving for the down payment on a house. And I think in general, you know, there is almost always a tension between the short-term goals that we have for ourselves, the things that we're trying to accomplish in the next, you know, one or two years, up to five years, and the goals like retirement that we know are really important, but when it's 20, 30, sometimes 40 years away, it's hard to prioritize that stuff. And so I think you're pointing at a really common phenomenon that we as people like to do where we say we can't possibly focus on investing, we can't possibly focus on retirement because we have this big expensive goal in the short term that's really, really important to us. That's a really common issue. And so one thing that I'll kind of offer up is that um, investing is not a, a zero-sum game. It's not all or nothing. It's not like you're completely maxing out your 401k or you're, you're not investing at all. And so I would kind of encourage you to, to start by thinking about what the short-term financial goal looks like. So if you're saving money for adoption or IVF, how much is it how much will it cost per month to get there in time for you? And then kind of how does that fit into your budget? And then I would also consider thinking about ways that you can get started investing where you can really maximize the bang for your buck. So a great example that I'll give you is if you have a workplace 401k plan, if you have access to a workplace 401k retirement account, oftentimes your employer will offer some sort of match. So if you contribute, you know, 3%, they might put in 3%. So those types of situations I would highly recommend if you can if you can swing it, keep contributing to any investment vehicles that get you somebody else's money. Don't leave money on the table here. We want to make sure that even though that big that big um, adoption IVF goal is super important to you, you're not walking away from the opportunity to invest um, on somebody else's dime. Um, from there, the other thing that I'll I'll offer you is. Oftentimes, one of the issues with stopping contributing to investments is that once you're in the habit of not contributing, it can be a little bit difficult to get back into the swing of things. So oftentimes, one thing that I recommend is even for folks who don't have access to a 401k plan through work that has a match, you might consider putting a small amount towards your investments because I think mentally it almost creates a placeholder there to say, yes, we've got this, this adoption-related goal. It's going to be very expensive. 
but let's continue putting a hundred dollars a month, a couple hundred dollars a month into our retirement, just because we want to remind ourselves, this is also an important long-term priority. It gives you the opportunity for that money to grow, even if it's not as much as you'd normally be putting in there. And it's an easier mental shift when you're ready to start being aggressive with your retirement again to up an existing contribution than to start from zero. So I think part of it is, is you know, tapping into the value of compound interest. And the other part of it is totally mindset related to say retirement is important and it's, you know, we're going to treat it that way, even if we're, we're not quite ready to go all in. That's a really good point. And I'm really glad that you mentioned, you know, just continuing a little bit at a time and don't miss out on free money because we all love free money, right? For sure. And it's not technically free, right? Like you pay for that money with your blood, sweat, and tears that you right. give your employer. So like, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? If your employer is willing to give you something in return, do not leave that on the table. <laughs> right. That's so true. So true. So what are some uh, places that people can put their goal money, you know, the, the money that they are setting aside for goals? What would you recommend, you know, places to put that money? Yeah, that's a great question. So I find that when it comes to goals, um, financial goals in particular, the type of account that you would choose really depends a lot on the goal. And it really depends a lot on the timeline for that goal. So for example, somebody who needs to um, start IVF or the adoption process in six months, that's going to look really different than somebody who wants to do that process in two years. And that's going to look really different from somebody who has maybe five years to go. And they're, it's sort of something that you and a partner or spouse are, are considering together, but it's definitely far down, down the road. So I would say, um, you know, start by thinking about the time horizon for your goal, because that's going to have a huge impact on what you invest in. And then the other thing that I would say is if it's really, really short term, I know this is probably not what you want to hear because it feels like it's leaving money on the table as well. I'm going to stop for a second because there's a siren. Cool. Um, it feels like you're, there, you're leaving money on the table by not investing, but the last thing you want to do is put your money in something risky and then go to you know start your adoption process in, in six months or a year and realize that you actually have less money than you started with, and that's no fun. Um, so for really, really short-term goals, I frequently recommend a high-yield high savings account. There are plenty of great articles out there. I believe there's one from NerdWallet um, that I can make sure to, to send you so that you can include it in the show notes. Absolutely. But it's updated on a monthly basis, and it's just like the top interest rates for high-yield savings accounts at any given point in time. And so every month they go in and update the new, the new interest rates. And so you can simply choose which, which bank fits with your needs. Some of them have minimums, some don't. You can choose the highest interest rate that you can get. Um, for for the amount of money that you have to put in there, open up a separate account, clearly label it, start making your your regular contributions, and that way you're you're earning a little bit of return. Um, you're not you know putting it aside in cash. You're getting like a zero return, like most big banks have in their savings accounts. Um, but you're also FDIC insured. You're not going to be putting in something risky. So again, if your time horizon is really short, um, that's probably the best bet as a high yield savings account. If you fall somewhere in the middle, um, so I'm talking maybe like one to three years, um, you might consider something a little bit more aggressive than that. But again, we want to make sure that your money is nice and safe. A lot can happen in the stock market in three years. And so um, something like a CD, which stands for Certificate of Deposit, um, might be a good opportunity for you. 
So a CD is a little bit different than a, tri a traditional bank account in that um, you typically buy it in um, like a block. So you'll put like $10,000 into a CD. There are always um, like time horizons associated with them. So it'll be like for one year or two years or three years, and then there'll be a guaranteed interest rate over that time period. So for example, if you know that something is three years away, you might go and get a $10,000 CD for three years. It's got a 3% rate of return. And again, this is just an opportunity for you to earn a little bit more interest than you would even find in a high yield savings account. Um, if you know that you don't need the money for a year or two, because it's basically you know locked up in this CD. Um, if you have a goal for adoption or IVF that's three or more years away, that's when I'd really say investing is probably a good opportunity for you. And because it's not really a retirement goal, because it's not an educational goal, um, you'll, you'll actually need what's called a taxable account or a brokerage account. These are issued to individuals or to couples. You can have a joint or individual account. And basically, it works like any other investment account where you deposit your cash, you pick out the types of investments that you want to hold in that account, and then those investments will earn interest or a rate of return over time. Um, you can choose whether you want something super conservative. You can choose whether you're willing to take on a little bit more risk. But really, I would say three years is kind of the point at which I would recommend somebody think of an investment account and instead of a CD or a high-yield savings account. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And do you recommend any certain kind of like brokerage accounts or small, you know, like any, anything like that or just any advice? If someone's yeah. trying to use? So there's a couple of providers that I particularly like. Um, I'll say I don't get paid to recommend these. These are just ones that I have personal experience with and that I, I like them. Um, so Charles Schwab is one of the big names. It's um, pretty easy to use. They have a decent online app um, and they have a wide selection of investments available to you. Um, Vanguard is a little bit more old school. Uh, their website is not as good, but they have really, really good affordable investment options. And one thing that I also like about Vanguard in particular um, there's a type of investment called a target date fund. And technically this is designed for retirement. Um, but it's basically for, um, goals happening around a certain time horizon. So, you know, in theory, if somebody was retiring in 2025 or 2030 or 2035, they would sort of buy the target date fund that matched the year they were looking to retire. If you have a goal that's five or 10 years away, you might consider buying a target date fund that matches the time horizon of that goal. And that way it's sort of one fund that you're looking to buy. Um, Vanguard has a wide selection of these. Um, and that way you're sort of taking some of the stress out of the decision-making process, really simplifying things for yourself and relying on that manager to choose what investments are suitable for that time horizon rather than you trying to do all the legwork. So be careful with those because um, the fees can vary widely. The performance can vary. Um, that's my like, you know, risk disclaimer, whatever. Um, those can definitely lose money. Um, it's they're, they're not FDIC insured. Um, but at the very least, um, you can kind of get started easily. And then the other provider that I have to throw out as a great option is Betterment. Um, Better, M-E-N-T, Betterment. Um, they are what's called a robo-advisor. And so if you're trying to sort of bridge the divide between completely doing it yourself, but you feel like you're not exactly ready to work with a, 
a one-on-one investment professional. A platform like Betterment can really help because you open your accounts online, you enter information about your goals, um, your risk tolerance, when you need the money, what it's for, and they actually take that information and they run it through their algorithm to say, based on what we know about your situation, if we know that you need this money in four years and you need you know, $15,000, um, this is the type of investment that we would recommend for you. They'll kind of auto invest everything according to that risk tolerance. And then there's even some planning features in there as well to say, okay, if I know I need $15,000 in four years based on this type of portfolio, here's what we recommend you put in on a monthly basis. Um, you know, keeping in mind whenever there's interest involved, whenever there's a rate of return involved, it's not a simple um, math the way that you would with like a savings goal where you just take the amount and divide it by the number of months. In theory, you're earning interest. So it's a little bit trickier than that. Um, The Betterment planning tool will actually give you a recommendation to say, if you want to reach this dollar amount in time, here's what we recommend that you, how, how you fund it, either in a lump sum today to let it grow or over you know the next four years on a monthly basis, here's what you can put in. So I would say like Schwab, Vanguard, and Betterment kind of appeal to three different types of people. If you really want hands-on stuff, you know, um, consider somebody like Schwab. If you really want a, a little bit more assistance, Betterment's a great resource, and then certainly Vanguard has has great products as well. If you're looking for something um, kind of in between, those are some pretty good um, pretty good recommendations. So in uh, section four of your Unlocking the Power of Investing course, Michelle goes over uh, understanding asset allocation. So, you know, if you are wanting to get involved a little bit more with understanding what you're investing in and how you're investing, she goes over stocks and equity, mutual funds, index funds, ETFs, target date funds, which she just mentioned, and setting your asset allocation for your risk type, bonds, fixed income, all of those things that might seem pretty foreign to some of our listeners. But if you go in to, there'll be a link on our website to talk about these understanding the investments. And it's really very simple. um, And even for those who have experience, it's very, very well laid out. So I, I, can't tell you enough how important that is, is, you know, if you have chosen to go to Charles Schwab or, or Vanguard or Betterment, and you're looking to do some more investing and these, it really goes through and explains all of this. I'm, I'm can't tell you, I'm like, I love this course. Like, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. So, um, okay. Um, you've mentioned a couple of things. Um, how do you, do you sit down once a year or twice a year? When do you go over your investments and, and, and determine where you're at? What are some things that you personally do? Mm, that's a great question. So I would say for me, I'm typically a big fan of what I call the monthly money date. And if you've taken any of my other courses, this is kind of like the feature at the very end of every course to say, okay, you've built your plan or you've implemented it or you've kind of reached this goal. How do you want to make sure that you're nurturing this, this information or this goal over the long run? I usually recommend sitting down monthly, um, just making sure that um, things are working the way that they should. Um, but I would say when it comes to investing, um, 
I, I almost recommend a little bit less frequent. I mean, I know it sounds crazy because a lot of us have this sense um, where if we're not like constantly checking on it, something could be wrong or um, we could be making a huge mistake. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that checking your investment accounts on a highly regular basis is actually not good for you. Um, that behaviorally speaking, when we download a stock app and we're constantly tracking what our, what our money's doing, that can actually be really detrimental to our goals because now all of a sudden we're seeing all the volatility in the markets and we're kind of seeing everything that can go wrong. Even if you have a couple years to go and it's not going to be a huge concern, you know, we tend to like see these things happen and we, and we freak out and we panic. And so um, instead of the usual monthly money date, I actually recommend a quarterly money date. And so um, on a quarterly basis, I usually, you know, recommend doing this kind of timed with your account statements. And so um, the way that, you know, quarters work in the investment world, Q1 is like January, February, March. And so you would get your statement kind of in like the first week of April. Um, and so every three months, I guess it'd be April, July, October, and um, first week of January, you would, you would in theory get your quarterly statements. And so that's kind of great timing is like, you've already gotten this like special delivery of useful information about your accounts um, on a regular basis. And so that's a great, uh, a great framework to use. And so I recommend you take those statements and actually open them and read them. Unlike a uh, young baby past Michelle did not do even once, um, take a look at your portfolio performance. Um, chances are you probably also have some sort of, um, dollar amount goal you're trying to hit, you know, track your progress towards that goal. Um, in the investment world, your progress is going to be both what you put in as well as any investment gains or dividends that have happened over that time period, over that quarter. Um, I usually also recommend that folks check for excess cash in your portfolio. So um, sometimes, but not always, if you are putting money in on a regular basis, you actually have to go through and make trades. You have to go through and buy the funds or ETFs or whatever it is that you're looking to buy. Um, if you've forgotten to do that, then you'll actually see a pretty high cash balance in that portfolio. And you'll want to go back and make sure that your money's actually being put to work. Otherwise, it's just a glorified savings account. Um, and then, you know, just in general, making sure that that portfolio is, is still in line with your goals. On an annual basis, I usually also take a look at the goal itself. So like if the timeline has changed, if you're, um, if you're pursuing IVF or adoption later than expected or earlier than expected. Make sure that you're sort of reassessing your goals. I also recommend that folks take a risk tolerance survey on a regular basis. Um, so I mentioned before that kind of what you put in that portfolio and what account you would choose is going to depend a lot on your timeline. It's also going to depend a lot on how you feel about investing and how stressful it is for you and how comfortable you are with the possibility of potentially losing money in the stock market. Those things, this our sense of risk tolerance or sort of money personality, that can change on a regular basis. And so just once a year, make sure that um, your portfolio is still in line with your comfort level. Um, you know, make sure that you're kind of still in the right overall mix of, of stocks and bonds. We call that the asset allocation. And again, you know, make sure that you're making any trades that you need to. Um, and if you are working with an investment advisor, make sure that you're meeting with them on an annual basis too. So um, 
it's sort of a quarterly money date. It's a little bit of an annual money date. You know, you can take those annual things and do them in your, your January quarterly money date. Just make it a mega session if you have to. Um, but those are the things that I usually recommend kind of once you have your portfolio up and running that you just give it a little bit of love over, over time and make sure that it's still working for you the way you want it to. Awesome. And I love that you call it a money date because I call it a money date too. I know. Cause I feel like money is a, is one of the more important relationships in your life. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. So you might as well lean into it and kind of get comfy with money, make it a friend. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today's show and talking to us about investments. I really believe that, you know, understanding our money will help us make better decisions and be able to make more intentional decisions about our life. And that, you know, as we learn more, it's not a mystery. And so it's not scary. You know, I, I, I met with a, a group of people on Friday for lunch and they were talking about short-term trading and long-term investing. And, and just the, the short-term training really gives me heart palpitations because I, I don't understand it. But the long-term investing I'm comfortable with. And so, you know, I, I was gleaning information from this group. And, and so for those of you who are not as comfortable with that long-term investing, that knowledge will give you the power to comfortably make a decision and say, okay, this is the direction of where I'm going. This is what I want to accomplish. And here's how I'm going to do it. And Michelle really lays it out in her course of, of what type of investment you need to choose um, understanding your goals, setting your asset allocation, choosing a financial firm. So, you know, those are some things that will help you really feel comfortable about making a decision. So I really appreciate you coming on today and talking with us. You gave some really great nuggets. And for those of you listening, driving, we'll make sure that we put links in the show notes for everything that she discussed today. And again, thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Are you a hopeful adoptive parent? Come join the Facebook group, Paying for Adoption. We love to talk about money and how you can raise the money for adoption. Go join our community, Paying for Adoption, and begin the fun journey.